Well, it's good to be with you this weekend here at River Glen. My name is Steve Larson. I help to lead the church planting ministry around here, and this has been a great year for church planting. Uh, Earlier this year, we helped to plant a church called One Church in the Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania area. And Brandon and Danielle Stevenson, Brandon was on our staff before, left to plant that work, and and it's taking root. Uh, Maybe you read some things that were pretty disturbing about Pittsburgh from earlier today. There was a shooting at a synagogue this morning at downtown Pittsburgh, and 11 people lost their lives. It reminded me of just a few years ago, a short time ago, when there was a Sikh temple shooting here in the Milwaukee area. Now there's a shooting in Pittsburgh. And let's be praying for Brandon and Danielle and their church in that area as they try to impact that area with the the hope that's found in Christ, even in difficult circumstances like, like happened today. About a month ago, we helped to plant another new church called Bright City Church in Durham, North Carolina. Uh, This church uh, meets in a movie theater in a strategic location where thousands of people shop every single day. My wife Shelly and I, we were there that day as as more than a couple hundred people came together to to worship God. And and Ike and Sharon Miller, the church planters there, are are doing a great job in reaching people with the, the, the good news and shining the light of Christ in Durham, North Carolina. And then just a few weeks ago, our congregation moved from being one church in one location to one church in two locations as we opened up our new site in Pewaukee, and it was a great day to to see new people and and see people step up and lead in different roles there in Pewaukee. You know, we are so thankful that we've been able to expand this ministry around here in significant ways this year. Uh, Church plants in Pennsylvania and New York, I mean in North Carolina, maybe New York in the future, right? (laughs) A new ministry location in Pewaukee. Those kinds of things are possible because God opens doors and also because people like you are on board with the mission. And as we're coming to the culmination of our unfinished initiative, I just want to say well done. I mean, your commitment to Christ's cause, one that reaches out beyond our walls, is to be commended. And I'm thankful that I get to do this with you. Well, let's take a couple minutes and review where we've been with our teaching recently. Uh, Today, we're continuing in our series called Fixer Upper, and it's based on biblical principles that can bolster our relationships. From time to time, we've referred to Chip and Joanna Gaines' television show called Fixer Upper as well. I've been to their Magnolia Marketplace in Waco, Texas, and let me tell you, Chip and Joanna, they know how to market. I mean, there's a, basically a village in Waco, Texas, where thousands of people come on a daily basis to shop. And they have a, a food trucks, they have a magazine, they have a, a B&B, a, a line of furniture. I think I saw a Chip and Joanna dolls somewhere. I mean, their brand has grown exponentially. But I'll bet if you ask them, if, if, and if they were truthful with you, they'd probably say that their personal relational world has become exponentially more complicated along the way, too. When it comes to relationships, seasons of, of smooth sailing are few and far between. Like a home that needs fixing up, we need to renovate our relationships. And good relationships don't just happen, they take a lot of work. As we began this series, Ben laid out a foundation regarding the family. He laid out blueprints for a family, showing what a healthy family looks like. 
In week two, Ben said, in order for relationships to thrive, one thing that, that must go on demo day is pride. And the remedy for pride is humility, just like Jesus demonstrated. Last week, it was time in our Fixer Upper series for, for the construction crew. And, and when you renovate a Fixer Upper, you need the help of a lot of people. These people have a variety of skill sets where, where they can pitch in and they can help. And Ben reminded us that the best way for faith to get passed on to the next generation is through families. Your family's past doesn't have to define your family's future. Well, today, we're moving into a new phase of that fixer-upper program. When you get further along in a project and closer to the finish line, you get to choose the paint colors. You have a handful of, of paint swatches. And there are a lot of different colors to, to choose from, aren't there? Well, my wife and I, we host and lead a small group in our home back in East Lansing, Michigan. And, and uh, our, our group has, has gotten larger. We used to meet in our great room, but it's outgrown the great room. So now we've moved down to our basement where we meet. And, and we decided that we better finish off a, a restroom in our basement this fall. So a couple of weeks ago, it came time to, to pick out the paint color. Well, I'm not any good at coordinating colors. My wife, she has excellent taste, and I learned long ago just to go along for the ride when it comes to choosing colors. Well, we talked about going with gray in that new restroom. I mean, gray is quite popular these days, right? You know that there are cool grays and warm grays, and there's keystone gray or curio gray. There's French gray. How about agreeable gray? <laughs> That sounds like one that can minimize some conflict, doesn't it? There's one called popular gray and then lazy gray. There's also worldly gray and mindful gray and even amazing gray. There are so many grays that it made it nearly impossible to decide. And just in case you're curious, we went with one called sea salt. And there are just dozens of varieties of, of just one color. Well, here's our challenge today. In a similar way, in life, there are many differences in people. And if we're going to develop better relationships, we need to learn to appreciate and deal with these differences. As Billy Joel sang, do you love people just the way they are? Quite frankly, we live in a pretty divided time, don't we? I mean, there's an election just around the corner. When it comes to politics in our day, you might like the color red. Or you may be sitting next to someone today that, that's partial to the color blue. You might be getting ready to vote for Scott Walker. Or you may have a sign in your yard for Tony Evers. And we're living in a time when it's difficult to disagree agreeably. That creates tension in relationships. How do we deal with people who see things in different shades or, or tones than we do? How do we make it work? Well, let's take a look at Jesus and see how he handled this kind of a challenge. I think it's helpful to revisit an encounter that Jesus had with someone who was quite unlike him. Maybe it'll offer some insights for us as we seek to have healthy relationships, especially with those who are different from us. Well, Dr. Luke recorded in his book an account in the, in the Gospel of Luke, and, and Jesus was entering a city called Jericho one day, just passing through. And Luke chapter 19 tells us that there was a man there by the name of Zacchaeus, kind of a, a political dude. He was a chief tax collector, and he was wealthy. 
He definitely did, lived on a, a different side of town than what Jesus was used to. What, what do you think Zacchaeus was like before he ever encountered Jesus? I mean, his name means righteous one. But this supervisor of tax collectors was not living up to his name. To finance their great world empire, the Romans levied heavy taxes against all the nations under their control. The Jews, they opposed the taxes, but they were still forced to pay into the system. Tax collectors, much like politicians of today, they were among the most unpopular people in Israel. The Jews who chose to work for the Romans, they were considered as traitors. And tax collectors, they made themselves rich by overcharging the amount of tax due and then keeping the extra for themselves. Well, this is where Zacchaeus' greed came into play. I don't think he was very good at winning friends and influencing people. Zacchaeus had this reputation for taking what didn't belong to him. He was a thief and he was unethical. He was driven by greed. The Bible contains serious warnings to the greedy. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 5, it says, No immoral or impure or greedy person has any inheritance in the kingdom of God. Greed is lived out when someone is always wanting more. Well, it's no wonder that the people were ticked off with Jesus when, when he went home with Zacchaeus. I mean, this little guy was, was dishonest and greedy, considered to be a traitor. He, he was probably quite lonely, too, and, and, and he was an outcast in the city in which he lived. So what did Jesus do? Well, he still loved him. Just because Jesus saw life differently, it didn't mean that he needed to walk away from Zacchaeus. Jesus stayed, and, and he talked with him. A short while later, Zacchaeus' life was transformed. Zacchaeus was greedy and dishonest, but he was also curious, too. He was trying to find out more about Jesus. Does that curious part describe you, too? I mean, if that's you, you're in the right place. We want this to be a safe place for you to hear about a life-altering message, one that's filled with hope. It's our goal as a church that those who were once unconcerned might start to become curious. And then when they're curious, they'll, they'll check it out here, start seeking the truth about God. And after a while, the, the curious get answers to their questions and they become convinced. They're convinced that, that Jesus Christ is God's way for us to have hope and eternity. Oftentimes, these people become so, so convinced that they become contagious. So the unconcerned become curious, eventually convinced, and, and finally contagious, so that other unconcerned people will be exposed to this life-altering message too. And in a nutshell, that's our mission. In Luke 19, Zacchaeus was near the top of the corporate ladder, but his life rang with emptiness. Scripture says that, that he ran ahead of the crowd so, so that he could see Jesus. In the Middle East, it was very uncommon for a, a man in their culture to run. It was especially unusual for a wealthy government official to do that. He even climbed up in a tree to, to get a better view. Zacchaeus left his ledger behind because he was searching for something. Maybe he wondered, why, why such a big crowd? Who is this Jesus of Nazareth? What am I missing? And when Jesus reached the spot where Zacchaeus was, he looked up at him in the tree and he said, Zacchaeus, come down right now. I must stay at your house today. 
He came down at once. He, he gladly welcomed Jesus. And Zacchaeus thought that he was seeking Jesus, but in actuality, Jesus was seeking Zacchaeus. So let's look a little deeper at this encounter here and see how Jesus responded toward this wealthy tax collector. Very different than Christ. I mean, what are some things that, that Jesus did here that we might be able to incorporate? I mean, and if we do, it might just help bolster our own relationships at, at home or at work with our neighbors, with those families on your kid's soccer team. I mean, what did Jesus do right? What did he do right? Do you think Zacchaeus intended to be noticed up in that tree? <laughs> Probably not. Luke chapter 19, verse 5 says, When Jesus came to the place, he looked up. <laughs> Did he look up at every tree that he passed that day? No. But he knew of, of someone of, of great value to his father that was up there, and he wanted to let him know it too. So what did Jesus do? Well, he stopped. He looked. And then he said, Zacchaeus, he called him by name. And when he called him by name, Jesus was giving Zacchaeus his full attention. Jesus was saying, I see you. I, I see you. You're, you're right here in front of me. And I'm giving you my, my attention, showing you that, that you have value and weight as a person. That's the first thing Jesus did. He acknowledged Zacchaeus as a man deserving of his time and attention. Whether they agreed on many things or, or just a few things... Jesus still valued him. Now that may seem like a small move, but consider how often Zacchaeus was avoided or ignored or, or treated with disdain. Can you imagine the, the, the kind of impact that must have had on Zacchaeus? He was considered to be a traitor, an outsider, unworthy of their regard, and Jesus came to a complete halt directly under the tree where Zacchaeus was awkwardly perched. Do you want to enhance your relationships with others, especially with those who may not see life the same way that you do? Well, see people. Well, that sounds pretty elementary, doesn't it? Not even worth mentioning, unless you're lonely and you wish someone would take time for you. Or, or unless you're, you're kind of like me, and you, and you can go your whole day moving in and out of places filled with people without really noticing any of them. I mean, what if we change that? What, what if the next time you're at the bank or, or the dry cleaners or the grocery store, you're on the, the phone with a customer service rep, what if, what if you made it a point to smile or, or to greet them, to, to show them that they're much more than just a transaction? <laughs> what about your work environment? You walk past the same person every day without acknowledging him or her, without making eye contact glued to your phone. <laughs> well, what if that changed tomorrow? Can you look up and smile and say something kind or something encouraging, something that communicates, I see you? Jesus said his name, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down for today, I must stay at your home. <laughs> Most likely Zacchaeus ate his meals alone. And in their culture, eating with someone was to accept him or to accept her. And staying in their home was, was kind of like declaring, this is my friend. Well, can you imagine hearing any better, better words that day than Zacchaeus heard? He may have chosen an occupation that leads to isolation, but he came to realize that it left him feeling empty on the inside. I mean, why else would he take up tree climbing when the master healer was passing by? 
Jesus offered Zacchaeus what he needed most, his presence. He was saying the words that people needed to hear in their crisis. I am with you. I'm with you. Have you ever experienced a a hard time, a difficult season in life when things were kind of spiraling out of control and, and all you needed was for someone to be present with you? You didn't need them to to fix it. Just show that they care. Christian leader and author Bob Goff expresses some good perspective here. He writes, I used to want to fix people. Now, I just want to be with them. This past January, uh, my dad passed away. Dad and I, we were quite close, and and it was really a difficult loss. About six months prior to that, my, my mom passed away, so it was definitely a, a trying time. Well, when my dad was a student at Michigan State University, he, he and my mom helped to start a church called the University Christian Church in East Lansing, and they, they had been gone from that congregation for decades, but, but we thought it would be fitting to, to help to have his funeral at that particular congregation, one that he and mom planted 60 plus years earlier. So some friends volunteered to, to fix some food in the fellowship hall in the basement, and, and we would have a, a visitation period of time to just chat before the memorial service. And so we spent a couple of hours visiting with family and friends, and reception was in this small basement in the, the church. And, and I was visiting with someone, and, and I remember I glanced up at the steps uh, as I was talking, and, and a couple were walking down the stairs to the basement fellowship hall, and they were from Wisconsin. And they'd driven 360 plus miles to be there that day, just one way, to provide a, a comforting hug. And ben and Marnie Davis went out of their way to say, we're with you. Later, we were able to share a meal together with Ben and Marnie, and you know they traveled back home the next day. <laughs> To be honest, I don't even remember what we talked about that day. I don't remember what the first thing they said was when when they came to that fellowship hall. But I do remember this. Our friends were there, and their presence made a loud statement that I'll always remember. And I'm thankful for friends like Ben and Marnie. Friends that say, I'm with you. And there are people all around us within our our sphere of influence who who long for someone to show that that they care enough to come alongside, to to befriend them. Can you take some time to be with them, to listen, to linger, or even help them with to complete a task that they may not have the strength to finish on their own? I mean, Jesus' example here challenges us to respond with these words, I'm with you. Is it always convenient? No. Always comfortable? No. Is it risky? Sometimes. And if we're motivated by the same kind of love that that moved Jesus to hang out with a guy who had the worst reputation in town, it's worth the risk. And Jesus' response to Zacchaeus, "I, I see you. I'm with you. Well, that next step that Jesus took with Zacchaeus, man, that that set Jesus apart. Luke chapter 19, verse 6 says that Jesus hurried, or Zacchaeus hurried and came down, and he received Jesus gladly. 
We don't know what kind of a party Zacchaeus threw that day, whether he ordered pizza to go or had some big barbecue at home, but, but it's safe to say that Jesus came to save him. Came to save him from a, from a life of emptiness, to save him from the guilt that he carried every single day, and it wouldn't even allow him to look into the eyes of his neighbors. In Luke chapter 19, verse 9, Jesus said, Today, salvation has come to this house. He didn't come all the way from heaven just to say, I see you, although I see you as good. And he didn't come just to tell us, I'm with you, even though our souls long to know that we're not alone. An angel of the Lord one time told Mary to name her son Jesus because that name means God saves. And Jesus came to save us in our lostness. In Luke chapter 19, in that moment, Jesus wrapped his arms around Zacchaeus. He welcomed him to the grace of God. And at the same time, Jesus reminded every one of his missions saying, for the Son of Man has come to seek and to save those who are lost. (laughs) Friends, Jesus doesn't just call us to have adequate relationships where we see people and offer them our presence. That helps for a little while. What Jesus calls us to is offering his presence, a relationship that lasts for eternity. I see you. I'm with you. Jesus saves you. Zacchaeus' life was forever changed. And while he and, and Jesus came from completely different backgrounds, they became brothers in God's eyes that day. Zacchaeus was not saved because he promised to do good works. He was saved because he put his faith in Christ. He went from being greedy to becoming generous. He he went from being a tainter of the truth to becoming a teller of the truth. He went from being curious to confident. All because Jesus made the first move. Jesus modeled a relationship with Zacchaeus, one that we can try and strive for. I mean, one thing that really impresses me about Jesus here is how willing, how readily he was able to forgive Zacchaeus. I mean, Jesus grew up without money. I mean, his, ha- his family had no money because guys like Zacchaeus were taking it from them. And here was Jesus with a chance for, for retribution for some payback. <laughs> but he chose to forgive. When he was only eight days old, Jesus was taken by Joseph and Mary to the temple to be circumcised and also for them to, to make an offering or a sacrifice to God. And it it was a Jewish custom, their tradition, that after a childbirth, in order for a woman to be made clean again, she was to bring a lamb and a young pigeon to the temple for an offering. Well, Joseph and Mary, they didn't have enough money to afford even a lamb and a pigeon. They were too poor. For people with minimal resources, the law made allowances for them. They could bring even less than that. And technically, it was known as the offering of the poor. And from infancy... To adulthood, Jesus had a reputation for being poor. I know if that were me, it would have bugged me to no end. Jesus could have carried a grudge, and when meeting Zacchaeus, people would have understood. But no grudge. What did he do instead? Well, he saw him. He, he, he was with him. But more importantly, he forgave him. And friends, if you want to have the healthiest kinds of relationships, be ready to forgive. I realize that we can't forgive their sins. That's God's job. But if you want to fix up a relationship, we can forgive an offense. 
And rather than hold on to a hurt and, and, and turn it into a grudge, we can release, forge forgiveness. I mean, I love how Jesus, growing up on the other side of the tracks, when he had the chance to let someone from the government have it, he simply reached out and he forgave him. He, he set him free. I wish I were better at this. For, for a number of years, I ran a family manufacturing business. We had a season where it was quite successful, and, and it even helped underwrite the, the budget for our church plant back in North Carolina a couple of decades ago. It was a church plant where I was the pastor, and, and we hired someone else to run the business. Problem was that he, he ran it into the ground, and his decisions weren't made for the good of the company, but they were made to, to line his own pockets. Eventually, that business folded, and we were left in dire straits financially while our former business partner fled, and, and, and he took many of our accounts with him. And in hindsight, it wasn't one of my favorite chapters of life, needless to say. And for years, I, I kept track of that new business that he was part of. Uh, the guy that he, he joined up with, the one who provided the resources, kept him on a much shorter leash than we did, and their business did quite well. And to be honest, I was sorry to hear that. And I had hoped that it would plummet quickly instead. I actually carried a grudge. Eventually, it was getting the better of me, and I needed to change my attitude and change my heart. And I, I didn't do anything too dramatic. I, I simply said, Lord, I, I need to make a change. <laughs> I need to forgive him for, for the difficulties that, that he caused. I, I need an attitude change about the future. Well, today, they're still in business. I, I think they're doing okay. I don't fixate on it any longer. And if I hear that they ordered a bunch of raw materials from a supplier friend of mine, it, it doesn't impact me like it used to. Why is that? It's because I released it. I, I chose to forgive. I didn't write him a letter or anything or, or have a conversation with him. I don't think he even thinks he did anything wrong. It was just me with the Lord asking for his help. And the result? God softened my heart. I'm thankful that that burden no longer exists and that I can focus on other elements in life. And maybe my story can help you with, with a relationship that presents challenges for you. I don't know. I'm not saying that it's easy to release someone, that it's easy to forgive them, but it is something that can be freeing for you. It can improve your relationship with the Lord. It can improve your relationship with others too. I think everyone would agree that Jesus did a nice job noticing Zacchaeus and that we should notice others too. Do I intend to do that? Sure. And Jesus spent time with someone that saw the world through a different lens than he did. What did Jesus do? He spent time with him. When pressed, I'd have to admit, yeah, I probably ought to do that too. I'm sure it would bolster my relationships, especially with people who view life differently than I do. It's that forgiveness aspect that's really more difficult, yet it can enhance current and broken relationships like nothing else. I'm not saying it's easy. In some situations, it may seem nearly impossible. The Apostle Paul reminds us in the New Testament book of Romans, saying in Romans chapter 5, verse 8, that it was while we were still sinning that Christ died for us. In other words, while I spent time rejecting him, Jesus was busy laying down his life for me. 
making that first move again. And then Paul adds in another book, in the book of Ephesians, these words. He says, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another, just as in Christ, God forgave you. God forgave me. I need to forgive others. So, so who comes to mind when we talk about forgiveness? Is that something that God may be calling you to do? And if so, can you ask the Lord to give you the strength that you need in order to move forward? It's been said that, that we're most like beasts when we kill. We're most like man when we judge. But we're most like God. We're most like God when we forgive. We celebrate the Lord's Supper or communion around here each weekend, and it's a time to, to reflect on the fact that Jesus died for every one of us, and, and he offers an eternal forgiveness. And even if you're in the middle of some difficulties, this is a time for hope. Uh, and I think the, the song that has been selected is a, is a powerful song, and if you feel like you need to do some business with God, or you need to pray, or you need to have some help praying, I'd be happy to just stand up here and, and, and pray with you during that time. But we'll be singing this song during our communion time that asks, are you hurting and broken within? Are you overwhelmed by the weight of your sin? Jesus is calling. So bring your sorrows and trade them for joy. From the ashes, a new life is born. Jesus is calling. I'm so glad he does. Let's pray. Father, in this world where we encounter so many challenges, we're asking for your help today. It's so unsettling to hear about another shooting, the one that took place today in Pittsburgh. And, and, and Father, we, we quoted a, a psalm, Psalm 18, earlier today, where we were asking you to arm them with strength. So would, Would you arm those people that have lost loved ones with strength? Would you arm Brandon and the leaders at One Church with strength so that they can proclaim the hope that's in Christ to their area and beyond? And Lord, many of us in this room, uh, we're having challenges of a relational nature. I, I pray that you would give us the eyes to see others so that they'll know that they matter. And then, would you give us the, the resolve to be with people even when it's uncomfortable? Father, we ask for courage, too. Would you provide the faith, the courage that's needed to forge forgiveness of those who have wronged us? Thank you for, for blazing that trail of forgiveness. Thanks for making that first move. Thanks for being a God of grace. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.